0: Historic monster, the Japanese call Godzilla, has just walked out of Tokyo Bay. We begin the attack on Earth now.
1: We've persuaded the thing to help you, with what little power it has left. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the Dai Kaiju discussion episode for August of 2012. We're going to be talking about the 1962 Gorath. Uh, it's going to get kind of interesting, but uh, before we do that, of course, we have some music to play. I do have a little bit of news as well. We're going to go ahead and kick things off, not with a request, but for something actually I was interested in playing. This is from Gamera 3. It's called Offense and Defense.
0: gigantic show three of the newest and most exciting monster hits starring earth champion and protector godzilla first thrill the godzilla monster island with more monsters than have ever appeared on the screen at one time then it's the action-packed godzilla versus the cosmic monster and finally the classic godzilla versus megalon all three in one colossal show rated g
1: 無帝国 What a magnificent ending to that musical block! Uh, there, I just want to kind of uh, not just tell you guys what I played, which isn't what I normally do, but also um, open the door to a little bit of the insight as to why I played those. Um, so, in the last episode of the Kaiju Cast, I um, played the interview with Norman England, in in which we talked about Ko Otani and where I learned how to say Ko Otani, and uh, I basically. Listen to the Gamera Three soundtrack, um, because the GMK soundtrack is great, but the Gamma Three, other well, Gamma films, they're um, they're actually, uh, full orchestras, and so I wanted to listen to that again, and man, the Gamma Three soundtrack is just fantastic. No, no track I think is over three minutes. Most of them are under a minute long, and then there are some that are you know the one minute to three minute sort of range. Uh, That was called Offense and Defense, and uh, really just some very powerful themes in that. And uh, then I did follow that up with a request uh, for uh, the ending titles to Rodan, the original 1956 film. And like I said, that was a request, and it was from Jason. Um, I followed that up with a a movie monster uh, marathon, a monster movie marathon sort of audio clip that i got from uh, bob johnson and then um the next track was actually by akira it was from this album called voyage to dream quest and i think i've played something off of the album before when the in the history of the kaiju cast Uh, and that was the atragon suite and the reason i played that was because atragon is a is a lovely film um June Tazaki plays the captain of Atragon, and he's uh, sort of played, he also plays the captain uh, in the first ship. I think it's the JX one uh, in the film we watched for this mov- this month called Gorath. Uh, and that actually brings me to uh, our next segment because, once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape. And test the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this show will keep on going for a long, long time. And uh, this month, like I said, we we'll would take a look at the film Gorath. It's celebrating its 50th anniversary, uh, but getting none of the recognition that King Kong vs. Godzilla is... Uh, in March of 62, Toho released this space epic... Uh, which is also known as Yosei Gorasu, which translates to Calamity Star Gorath uh, to the screens in Japan. And even if you haven't seen this movie, the name Gorath might sound very familiar because it was one of the many, many, many homages and tributes to Toho's science fiction library that were thrown into Godzilla Final Wars. This was directed by Ishiro Honda, and it's uh, basically kind of like Armageddon, the, the U.S. film Armageddon. Set in 1980. Uh, it falls flat on many levels, as far as I was concerned. Um, I will warn you right now that we did not give Gorath a very good review. So if you're a big fan of the movie, you might not have uh, have some fond, fond thoughts of what we're about to say. Uh, but speaking of, uh, here's how that went. And we're off. Hey guys, we just finished watching Gorath. And boy oh boy... Uh, have we got some things to say about this movie? Um, let me start off by just introducing who here is in the room, and that's of course me, Kyle, and I'm joined by uh Martin, who's been here somewhat recently. Hey hey. And uh and joining us since for the first time since June, it's Heather Brask, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. Welcome Hi. back. Welcome I do
2: as soon as you said that about, about and uh here's Martin, who's been here uh Who's been here recently? I'm like, oh, that's directed at me. No, <laughs> he no. Be, he may be talking to Martin, but that's directed it, at
1: me. It's not directed at you. It's just that you've been missed, and so it's it's great to have you back.
2: I miss you guys too. And
1: uh, and what what a triumphant return to watch the uh, 1962 Gorath. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Kyle. Yes,
1: you're very welcome. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and and kick things off. Uh, uh,
0: can we kick something literally?
1: <laughs> Not me. Please don't okay. kick me. Uh who wants to start on uh your opening opening thoughts about this? Like what do you think, Martin? Feel free feel free to keep it fa- family friendly though. Yeah.
0: No, I'll keep it family friendly. Um uh yeah. I have no idea what the deal was with this movie.
1: <laughs> so this doesn't go down as uh, as one of your favorites.
0: No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't uh it it doesn't hit the middle of the pack and it's certainly not at the top of the bottom of the list.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: I think that puts it somewhat low. Yeah, yeah. kind of
1: down kind of down there. Yeah, yeah, this was this was not a good one. I I guess I will agree there are things I like about it. Um this is a, the third time I've seen it and the first time you guys have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh there, you know, I saw this a long time ago, back when I first was discovering all the Toho uh, science fiction epics like Battle in Outer Space and Atragon and the Mysterians and so forth. And so this one, um,
2: slightly less than epic,
1: very much less than epic. And, and the only reason this is even in the rotation is because it has, it does have a giant walrus in it. Seal. Uh, walrus.
2: I think that's a lie. I think someone's lying to you. They
0: named it as a walrus. If they did, if that's where you're getting it, that was a seal. That is a dire seal.
1: What is a dire seal? It has
0: the big dire wolf fangs on it.
1: Oh <laughs> that's not a real thing though. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say it's late, but it's not really that late. No, uh, it, Gorath has made me get a little sleepy.
0: Yes, yeah, Mar- while you were for all of us,
2: yeah, while while you were off getting uh, getting water, we were we were discussing yes, delicious water. Uh, we were discussing the fact that we both we both nodded off during, oh, you did? during this yeah. one. Yeah, oh good yeah. lord, uh, uh, <laughs> which I sometimes have that you know have that problem in the in the screening room with the, yeah uh, you know with the when when it's the subtitles and it's. You know, and I've been at work all day and I come over and I eat the yummy pizza and then I have a beer and then you sit me down in a dark room and have me read things on a screen. Don't and forget all I'm, that warm milk. Right. And, and the, the warm and milk. The, and the lullaby <laughs> and music the lullaby. that I play just yeah, and, before um, the movie. It's actually we don't we don't even have couches here, it's hammocks. So <laughs> <laughs> um
1: <laughs> the kaijucast headquarters hammocks.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so sometimes I have to fight the nod a little bit. Um, and that's just sort of me. Like I, you know, I'm the same way and like, you know, I have that with like cars and stuff too. I just kind of, yeah. you know, something to do, but, uh, but, watching but yeah, yeah. this one definitely, um, this one definitely got me hard and I actually had, to, I was like, I have to give up on the, I have to give up on the head nod and just actually put my head down for a minute. And I'm sure <laughs> Kyle or Martin will say something in a couple minutes and then that will bring me back around and I'll be fine. But I, I just needed a moment and, 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 <laughs> and Martin here had the same. Had the same thing,
1: so I'm the only person that stayed awake through the whole movie. Yes, because, I don't know because I because my girlfriend slept a my girlfriend kept nodding off too, <laughs> yes. so she she actually bailed. Uh, probably about forty minutes into the movie or something oh, yeah. like that. If that. Which I don't, I you know, honestly, this and we don't have to, we don't have to treat this film the way we do the rest of the films by you know going into what did you like, what didn't you like, and stuff like that. Uh, we can just keep this one loose because I don't think any of us really enjoyed it. And what I was just saying is that I've seen this. This is the third time I've seen this film. Uh, the first time it was kind of like, oh, cool, a new movie for me to watch in the, when I was like devouring giant monster movies. And uh, obviously, yes, there is only five minutes of footage with, with the giant monster. Uh, and I think somebody I was reading, somebody said that it was pulled from the American release. They just completely cut that part out of it. Um hmm. and uh the of second thing you could yeah. have chosen, Yeah, yeah. The the second time I saw that the film footage yeah.
2: like four or five times together. Yeah, Like
1: interspliced it between and giant other other things. Walrus
2: seal foot smash. Wow. Like
1: when Kumi Mizuno's in the bathtub, be like, and now it's time for some giant monster footage right after that. <laughs> right. And then back uh, to the bathtub. And then back to and, the and, bathtub, and yeah. Giant monster, yes. exactly. Make your own film with the magma footage. Anyway, so, uh, the second time I saw it was actually, um, the first time I got a copy of it personally, and I was like, oh, I have not seen this movie in a long time, I should watch it, and the second time I watched it, I was like, you know, I watched it by myself, and I have a tendency to sort of get into movies very much, like when I'm watching something by myself if it's a scary movie, I somehow amp that stuff up in my own brain. If it's a, you know, science fiction epic, I get wrapped up in the story. And I did get wrapped up in the story of this film uh, the second time I watched it and, you know, saw things that I didn't see the first time I watched it. Uh, But this time, uh, because because it's the third time I've seen it, I didn't see anything new. And I started to see the flaws in the film, which I'm not saying that it took me three times to see the flaws in the film, but like I was less excited to see it this time than I was the the first two. And it really, really kind of didn't help me, you know, keep myself engaged through the movie. I mean, I knew it was gonna happen and I was like, Man, this is just it's not really that entertaining of a film. I think they really try, but it's not it doesn't grab me the way that the Mysterians does, and you guys haven't seen that either. Have I haven't you? seen that yet. Uh, there, you know, there are a slew of other monster uh, science fiction films from Toho that have uh, that have giant monsters in them, even if they're only briefly in them. And uh, some of them don't have giant monsters in them, but they're still science fiction. they uh, science fiction epics, and you know they have they have good stuff going on in them but this one just doesn't have it really I mean the the most Im- the most intriguing things to me in this film uh, and this is the last thing I'll say and then we can move on to what you guys thought but uh, I the first time I saw oh it's smaller than the earth but it's mass is greater I was like oh that's interesting but they just keep hammering that note you know that same 6, note 000, over and over again. 6,000
0: 6,200
1: what yeah, no 6,200 surely not uh,
2: we only calculated to, to squeeze by it by like an inch. Now we totally can't do that.
1: Yeah, and then the other thing I really liked about it is um uh it's is as much of a fan favorite Kumi Mizuno is and that's the chick who was in the bathtub. And she was also uh Miss Namikawa in Monster Zero as as much of a fan favorite as she is. I never really liked her so much in the other performances in those films, but she was great in this film. I really like her character, even though she's sort of wishy-washy as far as, like, how she feels about Akira Kubo's character, um, Kanai. But, uh, like, she she's almost, like, the best part of this movie. And then the last thing I'll say is that the fact that they decided to move the Earth out of the orbit in order to avoid the um, the asteroid... I I still think it's hilarious. It's just not funny when they do it in the movie. It's just,
2: <laughs> Nobody else seemed really concerned. I mean, not, I'm not talking in this room. I'm talking in the movie. Nobody seemed really freaked out when the moon went. And that kind of bothered me because it was like, it's like, oh, you know, and the tides and stuff are gonna be and then oh my god, was that the moon? Yeah. <laughs> Guys well, we're not gonna be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and from a you know, I don't have the scientific background, but even when I you know, I don't have a scientific background at all. But even when I was watching that for the Artist. first time I was like, that seems like that would be bad for the earth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, I'm no scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's not good.
1: I'm uh, pretty sure we need that moon. Yeah.
2: Did we guys was <laughs> that for was that our moon? I think we need our moon because it's it's our what, moon. Oh crap,
0: we forgot to shift it too. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs>
1: they just need like Instead of six billion <laughs> tons of fuel, or what is it? The six billion tons of fuel to to to. There's a lot of sixes in this. Yeah, movie. There are. It's a very evil movie. Indeed. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Let's. Well, let's let's uh, let's hear more thoughts from you guys because I feel like I've just talked a lot about it. Well,
2: okay, so you know I you know I like the you know I like the cheesy, and I do love I do love uh, the the you know the space films and. You know all the all the fantastic old rockets and 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 the suits and 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 all of that technology. You know like hooks on cables. <laughs> oh right, yeah. The, um, you know no that, carabiners uh, back. Yeah, then, I no, guess. no, no, no. You know the space age technology that they bust out for these, but um, you know, so I I I really liked that for a while in this movie, and then I went, oh, that's all they're doing, but it's not like a it's not a compelling space movie though it's sort of a confusing space because mo- you know for a little while I'm like oh look at all the and all the switches and all the levers and I think they're in a submarine and I don't know what's happening and submarine in space submarine in yeah. space and uh and and you know and and taking in all of that and then it's like and I'm still taking it in and I'm still taking it in and they're really proud of this set they built because we're gonna spend some more time in it okay uh we're not moving forward. No. The yeah. story's not moving forward. No, I don't know what's happening now. And they did have a lot of great be... miniature work in this film. No, though. it absolutely did. Um and that's, you know, and you pointed out the fact that it was very, you know, very rare for them to actually build anything um, you know, full size.
1: Oh yeah, the like shuttle looking yeah. little tiny spaceship that they put right. Kanai in. Yeah, that was a life-size and I think that was maybe the only thing that I realized when I was watching this movie. I was like, Whoa, that's that's interesting that they built like the full size version of that so that he could sit in it and the guy could walk around it and do the you know, the checking and the waving in the window. Yeah. (laughs) Knock knock knock. That's important. That's important. Uh Martin, I know you I know you're teeming with things to say.
0: Uh, you know what i could i could pick this thing apart you can feel free to i I mean
1: this is all part of the discussion it,
0: it is and but it's it it just it wouldn't it wouldn't get me anywhere it just there were so many issues that i had with this thing it was just painful and the fact that i was able to like fall asleep for an undetermined amount of time and then wake up and pick up right exactly what I knew. I knew right exactly what was going on. <laughs> you didn't with miss anything. Whatever gap there was in there. No, there's so much nonsense in this movie. There are so many things that don't make sense, that don't connect, that don't tie together, that are completely worthless, that are, you know, uh, can I? Uh, he flies really close and then almost he gets the ship all turned around and then flies back and they bring the shuttle in there and he has amnesia. For no particular reason. He didn't forget anything that was necessary to propel the movie, only that he had it. And everyone worked really hard to. Tried yeah. to figure out how to get his memory back until such times like well, they didn't actually being, work that hard. It seems to be in pretty <laughs> yeah. good hands here. Let's go ahead and dump this guy's carcass here with this unknown person, and we're going to move on with the or rest. No, he had,
2: a, he had a picture of him with her, so that meant it was okay for them to leave him yeah, with her. Right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because those no, brain they, children
0: that were taking care of that whole thing, they they right. knew that, that was no. The they thing. didn't actually <laughs> try
2: that hard. It mostly just involved them, you know, shaking him and saying, "It's me." Yes. Don't you know me? I am I'm your best gonna, friend. I'm not going to yeah. tell you anything compelling that we've ever done together. I'm just yeah. going to continue to say it's me. Don't you know me? This
1: is my chance to tell him that he's my best friend. Yeah. Well, no, it's That's like right. like I told
2: I mean, well I told Kyle that it was uh, you know, that I kind of I thought that I thought that, you know, like was going to it was actually going to turn out to be like a like a creature. It was going to be some, you know, cool space creature that was going to hatch out or unfurl or that was going to be i was
0: expecting that too actually yeah i was like oh this is
2: going to be the thing it's going to be awesome and oh no it's just still going to be a slow moving ball and (laughs) and 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 then you know but yeah martin maybe
1: ghidra was inside of Right, the whole time there were so many things that could
2: have happened that didn't and 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 there were so many things that happened in this movie that there was absolutely no reason for them to, and that's you know I completely agree with you, Martin. That it was there was there was a lot. And you know, mind you, I did not off, so that could be part of why things got confusing for me. But I don't think that's a great part of why things got confusing for me. Yeah. Wait, what are they? Do- I think I missed something. What does this have to do with anything? Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. There's well, just- you know
1: about the amnesia thing, just real quick. that somewhat not not funny haha but funny coincidental kind of thing not so coincidental cuz it's a movie but mm-hmm. uh they also did that in the 1956 Rodan film where the main character played by Kenji Sahara Kenji Sahara gets amnesia and um but the way that they the way that he gets his memory back is is actually it's not integral to the plot but it definitely it definitely moves the plot along where mm-hmm. Akira Kubo's character in this film was just kind of like, "Oh, great, he's got his memory back now." You know, <laughs> it's just like he fell on the
0: floor. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he and he conveniently remembers everyone again, but nothing that is going to save the planet or any interesting exactly. thing exactly. Yeah, because there was yeah. that
2: moment where it was like we saw it spinning, and I'm like, "They're going to show us something inside of it, and it's going to be like." the face of a God or I don't anything. And there, yeah. No, well, no. you
1: almost expect it to be like, Oh God, you know, he, he wakes up and goes quick, get the space center on the line. You know, we've instead got to, we got to go right into it. You know, right. Instead. Yeah. Something, something, but, uh, but no. it doesn't, it just, it's, there are a lot of throwaway elements of this mm-hmm. film. Unfortunately, uh, you know, there are, like I said, there are things I like about it, but there's just so much that just kind of meh, unfortunately. And, um, like I said, this is 1962. So the good news is that 1962 produced a fantastically entertaining film, King Kong versus Godzilla, and so uh, the the year of 1962 doesn't have to get dragged down by by the boringness <laughs> of Gorath. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So you know. That's all I got, man. That's all you got? How about you, man? You got anything else you want to talk about? If
2: you're going to ask
0: me if I recommend this movie, if anyone even has a question of that one at this point... No.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a Godzilla film, no. so I wouldn't. No, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I don't, This even qual. I mean, this I barely that, qualifies as a, as a giant monster movie, and the I mean, giant, barely. Uh, I really think the giant
0: monster was kind of like, guys, we got to pad this sucker out. <laughs> we're we're running out of days to film, and we don't have enough stuff.
1: Yeah, they definitely added that to, I'm. Sh- I I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that the the posters, at least some of the posters, they they come out with a, a lot of posters in Japan. Uh I'm pretty sure that some of the posters did have the the walrus on the poster.
0: Was there was there a reason why The walrus why, is a lie. What yeah. <laughs> did they why the, so the three of them going there to go check out the downed walrus and they're having to actually grab the one doctor they're they and they're pulling him away and I'm like, "Why why is this a struggle? Why no, is he yeah. Are you, is this, is this a Skittles commercial? Are you well, trying think, to make out with the walrus on yeah, the couch? Why is this happening?
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing, but it scares me. <laughs> it is and, a Skittles
0: uh, commercial with a woman making out with a walrus. And I, that's the only thing I'm going for is like, this guy is drawn to this walrus. I don't know
1: why. I, I, I honestly think that it's like, he, that's the same guy that plays Dr. Yamane in the first Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, in, in <laughs> you know, just like in the Godzilla first Godzilla film he's like more interested in you know not destroying the creature and so I think that might be why he's just fascinated right. by well, this gigantic they, walrus when they
2: flew over he made a comment about it being you know it seemed a shame to destroy it and you know it just wanted its you know its home back and that and uh, and so they were doing that little you well,
1: know yeah the
2: gr- green twist. <laughs> Even of, in 62 you know, oh, they were worried to about the environment warming. Yeah. yeah. An environmental and, and, message. And so I think that was a, you know, he was compelled to go to it kind of thing, but that doesn't make any sense at all because he, he was going to nurse its right. Wounds. It's like he could stand up in its mouth. That isn't yeah, something try. that you approach and try and help. That's, you know, help from a distance. Maybe he was going
1: to try and take control of it and then have his way with the earth.
2: Maybe he wanted to see if he could do anything about that kink in its neck that yeah. kept its head back yeah. like yeah. that. It's like, yeah uh, roll, roll very, your head around on your shoulders very Just unrealistic breath, looking walrus breath. unfortunately yeah. it was very yeah, bad because it was a yeah. seal
0: yeah it was a, <laughs> it was a fetish suit with a bad it doesn't even
1: look like a seal though it, it looks, looks more like, a seal, like a seal more like <laughs> a walrus <seal. laughs> yeah <laughs> no do you yeah that. seals have pointy noses and walruses have the the sort of smoothed out face. Why am I even no. talking about this on the podcast? You know what? I think it's time to just <laughs> yeah, call I think it' we're done. I think it's time to call it. None of yeah. us recommend this film. No
0: When the argument turns, yeah. run the other way, people run the other way.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, we should probably figure out what other people had to say about this film. The best way Tomika can describe Gorath is if Godzilla raids again, boring air pilot narrative. The first 20 minutes of Godzilla 1984. All the UN conversations, and a boring movie called Starfighters, which she saw through Mystery Science Theater 3000. If those movies all had a child. Uh, The last old kaiju film she watched was the original Gojira. So as soon as the movie started, as soon as this movie started, she saw the improvements. Everything was bright and clear, and all the scenes that took place in space looked pretty good for the time. The movie got her attention right away because there was something engaging about the first few scenes where the JX-1 first explores Gorath and everyone has to accept their deaths. But after that, things started moving very slow. A lot of scenes were just unnecessary. Did she have to watch a bunch of pilots steal a chopper and sing for three minutes? There were a few interesting characters, uh, specifically the scientists that were pretty much ready to accept the growing mass of Gorath, that the growing mass of Gorath was going to destroy us all, but the rest were kind of meh. She really didn't care about Kanai's amnesia. Did it have a purpose? Unless, of course, regaining his memory somehow made the planet move out of the way, she didn't know what was really happening. Speaking about the planet moving, she was glad they mentioned moving the planet back into place, uh, I'm guessing the orbit, because she admits not knowing much about science. Shouldn't the atmosphere change... Aren't they moving away from the sun? And then the idea of moving the planet back is just washed away, disregarded. It reminds her of how we disregard the threat of global warming. Global warming was on her mind a lot during the movie, actually. The ice caps melt, and we're left with huge walruses. Yeah, we finally got to see the monster towards the last 20 minutes of the movie. And not only does he get killed five minutes later, but didn't Toho have a few monsters under their belt by this point? where did all the suit creativity go? That was just a dude running around in a brown suit with blue buttons for eyes. She knows that these kaiju movies are supposed to be somewhat silly, but the explanation for the giant monster was, oh well, there are mysterious huge animals just chilling on the planet. What can you do about it? Then the giant walrus is killed, and we never speak about it again. You'd think one of the newscasters would have mentioned it. Pete had never seen Gorath, had seen the kaiju walrus on Toho Kingdom and was looking forward to seeing the creature in action. He lucked into a subtitled copy and was eager to see more of the glory of the golden age of Toho. Much to his dismay, Wally the Walrus only turned up for a few minutes and was kind of a wuss and easily dispatched with a laser. Despite the serious lack of monster destruction, he found the movie very well done. The uh, The Natural Disaster Destruction was excellent for 1962, and the spacewalking had to be some of the best Pete has seen. He also enjoyed the models through, throughout the film, and understands Aurora made most of them, and that the kits can still be found today. He has been watching Japanese sci-fi films for most of his life, and he's happy to see actors and actresses appearing in different films. That said, Pete was excited to see Masanari Nihei, as the astronaut Ito. Many of the cast were veterans of Toho films, but seeing Nihei was extra special since Pete just finished watching the original Ultraman series, which had his character, Ide. Uh, While Pete loves these old films and takes many of the bad aspects in stride, he was bummed at the ending of the film and thought that it was a bit anticlimactic. He understands that moving the Earth was the intent, but it just didn't have that hurrah moment. Maybe Pete would have gotten some closure if the older, grumpy scientist that had predicted the plan would not work had apologized and maybe admitted that he was wrong. Toho had a message for its viewers, and while Godzilla was don't freaking play with nuclear bombs, Gorath told the audience, play nice with each other or we will all die. He liked that Toho was trying to warn the world of the potential horror that would come from the human race not living in relative peace and harmony. Who knew you could learn such great life lessons from a kaiju film? Michael had seen the English dub of Gorath on VHS in the 90s and had a copy of the Japanese version, unsubtitled, ripped from a Japanese Laserdisc. For this viewing, he sought out a subtitled copy of the Japanese version. It was interesting to see Masanari Nihei, in a bit part, playing almost the same character as he did in Ultraman. Another interesting bit that people might miss is a scene that shows people going up an elevator at the South Pole Base. The elevator included a 13th floor, and in fact is the last floor that lights up before the next scene, and something disastrous happens shortly afterwards. Michael isn't sure if this was intentional, but it certainly was an interesting detail. He seems to remember More of an epiphany moment in the English dub, when it is decided to try and move the earth out of Gorath's way, suggested by the kid that doesn't want to die before he can even get drunk. Michael Michael would have worried more about dying before you could experience, you know, something else that's kind of important. Uh, The Japanese version seems to give more credit to Ryo's, Ikebe's character, and even though you never really get the light bulb over the head vibe that you do in the dub, it's still... uh, Pretty good. The film is apparently set in the 1980s, based on the dialogue spoken by Akira Kubo in his first scene. It looks like Japan mastered the problem of artificial gravity on spaceships by the Reagan era. Michael's not sure if this is supposed to be part of the larger Toho science fiction canon or not. If anybody is assuming it takes place in the same universe as, say, Destroy All Monsters, then there is an obvious uh, continuity problem regarding the Earth's moon. Interesting that the walrus magma is never identified as a walrus in the movie. The English version of this is odd, and that magma was completely cut out, but they left scenes of people firing at nothing. Uh, Also, this was the first appearance of the VTOL that would be popular in Ultraman uh, as the Science Patrol ship. Uh, He also says most of the visuals are beautiful, but he did not find the characters as engaging as those in The Mysterians or Battle in Outer Space. Steven writes in to say that Gorath was a pleasant surprise, and he found its end-of-the-world scenario believable in concept, if not in execution. The performances were great. Such a treat seeing so many gifted Toho actors in the same film. The special effects were remarkably good, even for today. He realizes that we have become jaded as movie-going culture because of the seamless computer effects we're always exposed to. But seeing the in-camera, on-set effects, the mat work and especially the miniature work was fantastic. There's something viscerally satisfying uh, about seeing something done practically. He finds computer effects cold at times because they are not really there, and he knows that they are non-existent. While being able to tell a miniature, uh, Steven's suspension of disbelief is aided by its sheer reality. He has a similar problem with the 2011 prequel of The Thing. Gorath was full of such effects, and he marveled at them. The practical effects. The flood was especially effective, and after having watched many YouTube videos of the actual tsunami in Japan back in 2011, frightening in its accuracy. The science of the film, while accurate for the era in which it was filmed, he assumes, uh, left Stephen frustrated in its preposterousness. While he loves the idea that by the mid 80s, we were expected to have a ring of manned satellites around the Earth, the idea that they could then themselves re land on Earth under their own power left him agog. Also, the idea of turning the Antarctic into a giant hydrogen bomb powered rocket engine might actually work, except that it would have cooked the atmosphere and all of us long before Gorath arrived, and it's hard to believe that no one would have ev- uh, even mentioned this as a possible problem. Also, the construction timeline drove him a tad nuts. It seemed as if they built a 600 square mile rocket engine in just under two months. Just not possible at all, ever. Not with their level of construction technology. But uh, these are but a few things that drove him crazy. And while they did kind of make him nuts, they did not reduce his enjoyment of the film, and he would still love to own it on DVD should it ever get released. Adam thinks Gorath is a very entertaining movie with some uh, very amazing effects from Mr. Tsuburaya and his crew. You've got to love that 60s science of moving the planet with giant rockets with absolutely no effect on the earth. The South Pole base was a very nice set piece, and any fan of Subarai's work just has to pause the DVD and take in all the small details of the craftsmanship. Magma was a nice addition to the movie and didn't feel out of place like Manda and Atragon. What? Adam, no, 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 wrong, Adam, wrong. Manda was a, was a thing of beauty. I think you're getting these mixed up. Uh... I'm, I'm sort of kidding. You're, you're not uh, you're not banned from the show or anything, but I'm just going to continue reading your thing, because Manda's awesome. We just all have to admit that. Okay. Uh, it's just too bad he had to die after asking politely to have the heat turned down. Also, too bad that Magma hasn't had any other appearances in Toho's other series. So all of that makes Yosai Gorath quite possibly the greatest movie ever. And... Again, I have to disagree with you, Adam, but that's cool. It's all good. Uh, Ben says that Gorath is very similar to the modern disaster films of late. He did not particularly care for this film. It did not seem like it knew which character it wanted to focus on, and it jumped around a lot. Ben did like the special effects. The miniature work was top-notch, and Magma was fun, although an unnecessary addition to the film. He would not show this as an introduction to kaiju films or even to Toho films uh, to other people. It's not without its merits, but there are better kaiju films and way better disaster films. Matthew wrote that while no movie could live up to the hype you'll find in Gorath's English language trailer, it's still a very good flick. Clearly a lot of effort went into this movie. The model work, especially for the South Pole sets, is top-notch. Other special effects are good too, and don't look half-bad for a movie that's just hit its 50th birthday. The back-loaded action in the film could have been a little spread out more, to give it a... to give the first half a bit more life. Ultraman's bin for Yura sneaks in as an appearance as a reporter, and of course, Masanari Nihe, I keep screwing up the name, uh, from Ultraman is there too. Gorath strikes Matthew as an underappreciated film that deserves more attention. And finally, more giant walruses, please. Robert says that Gorath is a strange entry into the genre. The plot is based on uh, classic, borrowing a phrase, Toho science, that really seems impossible, except for in the movies. He seriously doubts that turning the Earth into a giant rocket would actually work. Still, there are more weird plot points that uh, that plague this picture. For example, what is the character arch for Tatsuma? Is he the lovable goofball? The, insp- the inspiring pilot? The jerky boyfriend? Or the pitiable amnesiac? Akira Kubo does well with what he's given, but his performance is so disjointed because of the bad writing. As for as far as his amnesia goes, why does Gorath erase all his memories, and why do they magically come back when he sees Gorath again on the TV? Robert guesses we'll never know. After one scene, he thought that was as exciting as a math lecture. Oh wait, it was a math lecture. The most exciting scene was Kumi Mizuno taking a bath, which was in the film for no other reason than it was Kumi Mizuno taking a bath. Uh, also the giant walrus is definitely not the worst monster suit he's ever seen Uh, robert says he would much rather watch monster x strikes back than watch gorath again and uh gotta gotta say at least monster x strikes back is a is a comedy on purpose uh anyway there you have it that's our daikaiju discussion for the month of august 2012 um i want to announce the next film. Basically, it was going to be Gamera the Brave or Gamera Little Braves or whatever you want to call it. Unfortunately, I don't really trust that Media Blasters is going to release the film on time for us to watch it uh, because I don't want to watch a a regular DVD version when the Blu ray is about to come out. So, what I'm doing is I'm using my fantastical controlling powers that I have here at the Kaiju Cast and I am switching the next two months films. So instead of watching Gamera, the brave, we are going to be watching Mothra three, uh, or rebirth of Mothra three. This is the one where Mothra goes back in time to the period of the dinosaurs. It's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully I won't get, uh, drawn and quartered for, for having two kind of bad movies in a row, but that's what we'll be doing. Um, if you want to get your thoughts, questions, and reviews in, send an email to controller at kaijucast.com, and I'll make sure to include your uh, homework in the next Kaiju discussion episode. Now, as usual, I'm going to give you a due date, so please make sure to have your homework emailed in by September 23rd. That'll give me plenty of time to record the rest of the episode and uh, watch the movie ourselves. And, um, yeah, I think it's time for us to just go ahead and move on to KaijuCast news.
0: This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan.
1: So not a ton of, of news this month. Um, or this for this episode. The good news that I have is that um, there's some really, really good, uh, uh, really good stuff coming out. We have uh, the first thing to talk about is that Daimajin is coming out on Blu-ray from Mill Creek Entertainment, and um, Sci-Fi Japan recently posted a, a an exclusive video that is a trailer for that release. And man, I'm so excited because I was just, I was just, you know. Jazz to get the movie itself in high definition but not only are we getting that we're getting actual special features like stuff that i think i don't know if they shot it themselves or if it's directly from the japanese release but it looks pretty awesome i'll have a link in the show notes to that particular article from sci-fi japan also if you've been paying attention to sci-fi japan They uh, recently have, I guess, partnered, I guess you could say, with uh, the Gaijin Channel, and they have been producing some video shorts, uh, which is called Sci-Fi Japan TV. The first uh, episode was released, let's see, it looks like it was released on August 10th, and um, it was very cool. It starred, it starred, it was about Takeshi uh, Yagi, and he talked a lot about the world of Ultraman. Um, this newest episode was just released last week or earlier this week. I think something like that. Uh, the 24th, basically, I think last week I'm rambling. Anyway, this was all about that Tokusatsu museum exhibit that I was, uh, spouting on about over the last episode or two. Um, I highly suggest you go check those out and don't only check them out. Don't just watch them. But if you have a YouTube account, you know, subscribe to them so that you can automatically get them. They're really cool, and I highly suggest watching them. Additionally, there is also another article on Sci-Fi Japan about the Ultraman Festival. Uh, I, you know, not a huge Ultraman fan, but it's still kind of cool to see uh, that the the old Ultraman stuff, as well as the new Ultraman stuff, continues to be popular in Japan. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to all of those, and I won't have a link in the show notes to anything announcing... Uh, Gamma the Brave being put out because, unfortunately, I can't find anything saying that it's on schedule or it's not on schedule, et cetera. Et cetera. But uh, regardless, we're going to go ahead and move into local events, which, you know, uh, if you're in the Portland area or if you want to visit the Portland area and you want to find cool geeky things to do, just point your web browser to geekportland.com uh, and, you know, just be blown away at all the cool stuff we have going on here in Portland uh, speaking of cool things in Portland on September 4th at 7 PM, Geek trivia will be at the Kennedy school hosted by court and fat boy. Of course, speaking of court and fat boy on Friday, the 7th at 10 PM, they're going to be presenting, uh, showing the 1989 Batman film at the Baghdad theater. Uh, also that same weekend, the 8th and the 9th of September is Rose city comic-con at the Doubletree hotel. I will be there, um, covering it. I guess you could say it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. I've been really impressed with uh, what the organizers have done for this this convention, and hopefully we'll have our own like cool world class convention here in Portland. Also on that same Saturday, the eighth, uh, at six thirty p.m. at Wallace Park, which I think is in northeast Portland, uh, there's a group called Movies in the Park, and they are showing Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, in in which you can see a Godzilla and Ghidra little scene as Pee-wee rides through it. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out because (laughs) I love that movie. Uh, On the 12th, Jonathan Case will be signing at Portland's Things From Another World location at 7 p.m. And then on the 17th, you've got another installment of Geek Trivia at the Kennedy School. And then on the 19th at 7 p.m., Ibrahim Mustafa will be signing at the Portland Things for Another World. Now, Ibrahim, uh, I hope I'm saying his name right, he's part of the Chronicles of the Nerds podcast crew. And uh, I guess he just got picked up for... or His comic got picked up with IDW Publishing. So congrats, man. Um, I don't know if you listen to the show or not, but I will high-five you at Rose City Comic Con for that. Uh, and then last but not least, and this is, this is just a smattering of things going on, but on the 29th and the 30th of September... The Portland Retro Gaming Expo will be going on at the Oregon Convention Center. Now, I went last year. Uh, I was judging the costume contest with a, a number of other people, and I was um, I was amazed at at all the vintage video game stuff they had there. Basically, you could you could play games. I think that date all the way back to some of the very first like video game consoles and uh all the way through um i don't know it's probably like the 90s or something like that but it's pretty awesome they will have a lot of stand-up arcade games and know ground control is involved in it it's going to be pretty awesome i'm trying to decide uh if i'm going to take tiger i know he's going to want to go but i'll be talking to him about that later that's right the portland retro gaming expo from the 29th through the 30th of september and that pretty much wraps up our show. I'm actually surprised that this uh, this episode has gone on as long as it has. But uh, yeah, there's not much more to say. Just the normal spiel um, with a little extra addendum. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, feel free to point your web browsers to KaijuCast.com. We have a whole bunch of stuff up there. Every single show can be downloaded. Not to mention I have an episode list of every episode that we've done. Uh, with a small description and a link directly to that episode, uh, the full list of DaiKaiju discussions is up there uh, and can be viewed at any time, not just the the month that we're doing it. Uh, also, there are links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page. Uh, there's not a link to the Tumblr page yet, but you know, feel free to follow us on uh, those uh, those social media outlets. And also. Uh, Please, please subscribe if you haven't done so. Subscribe via iTunes or, I guess, the Zoom marketplace. I'm thinking about putting this show on Stitcher or applying to put this show on Stitcher. Um, I don't think I have the same problem that some other people have had with Stitcher. So I'm going to maybe test the waters and see how it goes. Uh, Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say. We are going to close out the show with... um, with a couple of tracks actually the first one is called fierce ibira because i wanted to play something by masaru sato and i'm for some reason i just never play anything from godzilla versus the sea monster so we're going to listen to that and then we're going to finish up with a very very tiny small track more like an audio clip from the kaiju cd which is um i think it was produced by super seven anyway Uh, Check the show notes if you want to see what that CD is all about, because I'll have a link to that webpage in there. But uh, until next month, the month of September for episode 65, uh, enjoy yourselves and jamata.